Father, Lord, we come expectant this morning, thirsty for your power from the source of the vine. Lord, we come to you excited to open your word, to hear from you this morning. Bless us as your children as we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning. My name is Natalie. I am so excited to be with you this morning. I woke up feeling like it was Christmas morning is how I felt. Um, uh, by way of introduction, most of you may know me as the happy announcement person. Maybe you know me as a Sunday school teacher or as the mom of four kids that are usually color coordinated. Today's purple day in case you were wondering. But do you really know me by those things? Those are all true things. But how would you really get to know me? Well, you could spend time with me or ask me some questions to get to know me at a deeper level out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or maybe you would engage with my family, the people closest to me. Those are all valid ways to truly get to know me on a deeper level. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Knowing is the starting point for our message today, Know, Grow, Show, based on John 15, 1 through 11. A life rooted in the knowledge of God will grow to yield fruit, showing a watching world. Throughout the book of John, there are seven I am statements, and we're going to be touching on the last one. A little context for our study. I love the word. I love to know the word. It's important that we don't just pick something out and make it mean what we want it to mean, but to know where it comes from. We are going to be in the book of John, written by one of Jesus's followers, his eyewitness follower. The apostle John, he wrote other books. He was in the inner circle of Jesus, a reliable source. We need to know the purpose for John's book, he tells us. In John 20, flip there. By the way, um, my theology is based on, I call it flipology, going back and forth between different passages because the Bible is the greatest commentator on itself. You want to know something, flip around. There's a lot in there. So John tells us the purpose of his book. John 20, verses 30 to 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, here it is, the purpose statement, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Believing leads to life. Now, a little overview of John. We're going to be parking in John 15, but just to know the context of where we are in the book of John. In John 12 is the triumphal entry when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. John 13 is when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It's the Last Supper, reveals that one of the 12 will betray him, predicts, foretells Peter's denial. In John 14 is when he talks about, I am the way and the truth and the life. And a very important piece promises the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about a little bit in our section today. In John 15, we're going to be talking about the vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And in the next section, he'll talk about how 
out of, even though the true vine produces fruit, that the world will hate Jesus. The world hates Jesus, and don't be surprised when the world hates you too. In John 16, he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit and not to lose heart because the sorrow will be turned to joy because Jesus has overcome the world. So that's kind of a a big picture, and now we're going to drill down. We're going to begin by reading our passage in its entirety in John 15. It's in your bulletin. It's also on the screen. All right, John. Had a little wind this morning. Had to redo the hair into a pony situation. Okay, John 15, 1 through 11. Now, as good students of the word, this is what I want you to do. I want you to listen for repeating words because when God repeats something, he's trying to get your attention. So look for the repeating words. There's three specifically that I want you to look for. And I want you to see if you can pick out the main idea as we read. Okay, John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So the repeating words, did you find any? Three stuck stuck out to me. I'm going to figure out how to do this with the wind situation. The three that stuck out to me, abide. Did anybody get that one? Abide, fruit, and love. Starting at the beginning of the verse, John 15, 1 through 3, Jesus says, I am the true vine a reference to Israel, that Israel had been God's chosen people, but the true vine is Jesus. My father is the vine dresser. And that's your first fill-in. God the father is the vine dresser. Another word for vine dresser, maybe your translation says gardener or farmer. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. And that clean is a reference to remember, we had talked about in John 13 that Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet and had that upper room discussion, that last supper. John 15 illustrates our three-in-one God, presenting the distinct roles of the Trinity. Remember, Jesus taught in parables, in word pictures, similes, metaphors. 
because he is teaching us mind-blowing, humanly not understandable concepts. He used everyday analogies and examples as a loving father, kneeling down, explaining to us in words that we can understand. So as he explains the Trinity, as he depicts who God is so that we can know him better, because that's the starting point, he uses this word picture of a vine dresser. God the Father is the vine dresser. Picture the creator God in the Garden of Eden, not afraid to get his hands dirty, knelt down in the dirt. He has knowledge and understanding of his creation because he made it from the ground up, from the top down, from inside out. He knows it all. So who better can produce fruit? Who better can produce growth in his own creation than God the Father, than creator God? He knows. He knows and he cares. The farmer, the vine dresser, the whatever, the gar- farmer, gardener, he cares about the, the crop. He cares that there is fruit. There is an interest, a personal interest. I've had a little bit of a taste of what that's like. Um, I was gifted a fiddle leaf fig tree a couple of Christmases ago by my brother. And he later fessed up that he felt kind of bad giving it to me because, you know, it had rolled around in his car once or twice. And um, it was kind of a little bit of a sad tree. Had maybe three leaves and, um, you know, barely touched the top of our windowsill. But I really wanted a fiddle leaf fig. I really wanted this tree in my house. And so I had to learn, okay, well, what does it need to grow? What does it need? I've heard that these, these plants in particular can be really per- particular about the sunlight, about how much water. And so I started to study up and learn. And I tried different places. Okay, it's not growing in this spot. Let's try a different spot. Let's get more light. Now my, my, my plant that started with three leaves, I was trying to count. I lost count. I think we're at like 30 leaves. It's tall now. And I feel so excited. I have my kids come over whenever there's a new leaf. Like, look, mommy's plant has a new leaf. They're like, okay, you know, and I'm like, but I'm, I have this personal invested interest in the growth of this plant. It's exciting to me to see it take root and to grow. And I can only imagine how much more the father looks at us when we have that little bud, that little growth in our life. There's a personal invested interest. He takes away branches that do not bear fruit. This is a branch from one of the trees at my house. Do you know what kind of a tree this came from? Well, it doesn't have any fruit on it. That's why I cut it off. This came from an apple tree. All of the other branches around it had fruit, but this one didn't. Do you know why? It's kind of tangled in. It was pointing down. It wasn't really getting any sunlight. While all the other branches had little bits of life on it, this one this one has some leaves but didn't have any of the, the fruit. So I took this branch away. Now, will this branch ever bear fruit? No, it's disconnected from the source. I have a counterfeit source to make it look okay right now for you, but this this branch is cut off. It will not bear fruit because it's not connected to the true source. Branches are either connected to the life source or they're not. You don't really look at a tree and see if if it's in between. Either the life of the tree is flowing through or it's not. 
dead branches can be a hindrance to the other healthy branches. And so it's in the best interest of the tree to prune, to shape, to make sure that all of the branches are receiving the sunlight, are able to grow. It's interesting, I have two apple trees in my backyard and one apple tree really takes a beating. The kids climb in it and it, it just goes through a lot. But I'll have you know that while the other tree may look good and green and full, do you know which tree bears better fruit? Well, the one that my kids climb in, there's space. There's space between the branches. There, it's gone through things. Think about that in our own life. When you have gone through something, when you have weathered a storm, you come out as a fruit-producing individual. That's your faith, and it's nothing that you have done. It is all God working in your life and working through the hard things that you have weathered. Now, the cutting of a live branch is painful. If you've ever experienced pruning in your own life, it's painful. Perhaps you've experienced the Lord's loving yet painful pruning, the loss of a a job, a relationship. Maybe he removed a dream or something that you wanted, that you thought you wanted. But take heart, pruning is done intentionally. Why? Why does it say that pruning is done? To bear more fruit. Now, remember, we want so much to understand why are these things taken away? Why? It may not make sense in our head. But is that okay? Yes, because the Father, the creator of the universe, knows best how his His branches are going to grow and bear the most fruit. Hebrews 12, 11 speaks about that discipline, that removing, that pruning can be painful. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. One of the purposes of pruning in a plant is to train the plant in the right way that it needs to go to bear more fruit. In your life, God may be pruning things or pruning areas of your life to train you how to bear more fruit. Maybe that relationship doesn't fit or that pursuit doesn't fit or whatever the thing is, the way you spend your time in that way does not fit with bearing fruit that is Jesus fruit. Have you thought about that in the context of your own painful pruning areas? Pruning shapes us in a better way. We had recently redone our backyard, and I was super excited. I love flowers, if you couldn't tell. Um, And I have a little rose garden outside my bedroom window. And I was super excited in particular about these purple roses. And the first one or two heads that popped out were just beautiful, big, purple, fragrant roses. But my gardener advised that, well, the first pruning is really important because you cut it down and then it yields more roses. And I thought, what are you doing? When I saw my my beautiful plant after the pruning, I thought, this is just a bunch of nubs. How is this going to grow? What happened? But you know what? He was right because the yield after the pruning was much more than before. And it's still a blessing to me 
to see, okay, I can take heart. I've been through this before. I know the drill. There's going to be seasons of pruning, but there's going to be more fruit. How much of it is mentally training our minds to know and to recognize I'm in a season of pruning. It hurts. It looks like bare nubs, but you know what? There's going to be a time when there's more fruit than before. Take heart. Your next villain, Jesus is the true vine. Abiding in Jesus is the way to bear fruit. And we'll hone on this a little bit more in the next section. But Jesus is the life source. Jesus connects us to the Father in a positive way. This branch by itself is not going to have a good end, right? It's not going to bear fruit. It's going to wither up and die, and it's going to be tossed out. The way to have a a life-giving branch is to be connected to the source, connected to Jesus. In and of ourselves, we are not in right standing with God the Father. We need Jesus. Jesus is the connector. Jesus is the life giver that gives us a positive relationship with God the Father. Have you thought about that? The distinct roles of the Trinity, that God the Father, we would not have that positive relationship without Jesus. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus makes right what is wrong in and of ourselves. Connectedness to Jesus, what does it bring? Beauty, life, fruit, purpose. After all, he came to bring everlasting life. He is the life source that does not run dry. The Holy Spirit is next. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Now, we don't see the Holy Spirit mentioned much in this passage that we're studying, but previously in John 14, Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's function. A few verses down from our passage in John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit comes from the Father in Jesus' name to teach all things and bring to remembrance Jesus' words and teachings. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The helper is essential to abiding with Jesus. Now, the the disciples were actually physically abiding with Jesus in person. This Holy Spirit is for us. As we are physically absent from Jesus, the person, we have the Holy Spirit that keeps us connected. What a gift. We're not alone. You're not alone. We are invited into a relationship with a relational God who in and of himself is relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. You are not alone, little branch. You're connected to the vine. And guess what? There's other branches on the vine. Salvation through Jesus Christ alone is the only way to truly know God. Knowing God is the starting point to fruitful living. In our next section, we're going to talk about grow, growing. John 15, 4 through 7. We're going to look at John 15, 4 through 7 and 9 through 10. This is our abide section. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch 
and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then skipping down, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, just as I have kept, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Let's talk about the word abide. Did anybody count how many times it was used? Ten times. Ten times in ten verses. I think it's important. You think it's important? I think it's important. Abide. I had, you know, in preparation, we've been listening to these verses in different versions around the kitchen table, and I asked my kids, okay, what do you think? We're going to play this, these verses. I want you to listen, and then I want you to tell me what you think the word abide means. And I thought their responses were pretty interesting. They said that abide means trusting, love, following, and come and stay. I thought that was really interesting in the context of the verses. How would you define abide based on what you just read? Well, the dictionary defines abide as remain, continue, stay, dwell, reside. In the context of these verses, staying joined also makes sense. You could think about the word abode. What does the word abode mean? Home. We are to make our home in Jesus. He is making his home in us. Abide. So let's bring that definition as we look at this. We are to abide in Jesus. Substitute out some of those words. We are to remain in Jesus. We are to continue in Jesus. We are to dwell in Jesus. How do we do that? How do we stay connected to Jesus? Well, the reading of his word, gathering with his people, communicating with him in prayer, joining his commission of serving and making disciples. Now remember, abiding our faith, to use this analogy of plants, is not a cactus. It does not thrive on neglect. You do not get to water it once a month, and that's it. Your faith needs daily nurturing, okay? Are you doing that? Are you daily nurturing your faith? Are you nurturing it at all? Or is it just a Sunday morning thing? I would challenge you that abiding in Jesus is a 24-7 life posture, heart posture. Our whole self needs to be connected to the life source. Abiding in Jesus is not just a one-piece-of-me deal, It's not just, uh, you know, okay, relationally, and then come tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, when the workday starts, that's kind of a different gig. No, we are integrated people. Our faith is to be a part of all of us. So what does that look like? Are you abiding in Jesus, in your work endeavors, in your relationships, your friendships, how you spend your time, what you're looking at, what you're listening to? Does that reflect a life residing, joined, connected to Jesus? Jesus' words, another word for that, commandments, are to abide in us, are to make their home in us. Jesus' word dwelling in you. We are to follow Jesus' supreme example of this. Whenever Jesus was tested, tempted, asked a question, he knew the word. It was on the tip of his tongue. 
He's a, a supreme example of abiding in God's love in that way. Now, the Bible's pretty thick. Where do you start with abiding in God's word? Well, a Pharisee asked Jesus that very question. Let's see what he had to say. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This was a lawyer asking Jesus this question. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, which is a reference to Deuteronomy 6.5. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself which references Leviticus 19.18. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Have you thought about that? Loving God, loving others, that's what everything hinges on. We are to abide in Jesus' love. Jesus operated in a manner of love. His loving kindness drew people to repentance. His love extended social stigmas, political divisions, cultural barriers, and in true Good Shepherd fashion, left the 99 to seek after the one. This is the love with which we are to white knuckle. Does it sound comfortable? Probably not. Is that okay? Yeah. Abiding in Jesus' love Making your life at home in Jesus can look like fellowship with other believers. Be encouraged before you go out. Connectedness and serving. Small groups, Bible study, worship music. Abiding in Jesus' love can also mean choosing the affection of Jesus over the wayward affections of our own hearts. If I am to set up shop in Jesus' love, can I bring X, Y, Z with me? Does that fit in my new home? Perhaps some house cleaning is needed. That thing might not fit in your new home. Purging the old to make room for the new. This is the familiar life cadence of the believer. Put off and put on. Take off, throw aside, selfish, short-sighted, living for the now pleasures that doesn't fit in your new home. Put on, clothe yourself in righteous living, choices that are indicative of your status as a child of God, intentional decisions to make the harder decision now for the sake of Jesus, abiding fully in Jesus and in his love. Now, this next point was interesting for me to wrestle with personally. We are to come to Jesus and ask. Now, as we talk about how to know God, how to abide in God, he instructs us to ask, to ask. Now, I think that's interesting. I have one of my children is more shy than the rest, and she will not ask anybody for anything except mom or dad. And I can tell if she's comfortable because she'll ask. Can I play this? Do you want to read a book? Do you want to whatever? It shows her trust, her love, her comfortability. If 
God is our father. He wants us to come and to ask. Now, as a child, I want my kids to bring their heart's desire to me. If they want to have an elephant in the backyard, you and I know that an elephant in the backyard is not going to work. But I love that my kids can dream and ask, right? That shows that they're comfortable. That shows that they're sharing their heart with me. Now, as their loving parent, we have to kind of manage some expectations there and, and talk about, okay, well, is that, is that going to work with our family, an elephant in the backyard? I don't know if our neighbors are going to like that. We barely can handle the seven-pound dog, you know. But Jesus encourages us to ask, to pray, to bring our heart's desire to him. He knows that if we are striving for godliness and filled with the word and convicted by the spirit, we can bring our asks to him. This is godly behavior, showing trust, reliance, vulnerability before the Lord. And it's glorifying and honoring to him. He will align our hearts to his. He will show himself when we ask. So why is it so hard to ask? Have you been disappointed before? And that's what makes it hard to ask? John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Now the asking is related to fruit, that you would bear more fruit, lasting fruit. Does that change what you're asking for? In Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, talking about the sinful nature and who we are in and of our own flesh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Now let me be clear. While God does hear his children, and while God is most definitely at work, this is not a genie in a bottle situation. This is not, God, I want whatever car in my driveway when I wake up in the morning. Does that fit with what we know about God and what he wants for us and the fruit that he wants in our life? Does that fit? Does that reveal a heart that cares about what God cares about? Now, I personally have cried out to the Lord and asked for things and received what I felt like was a no or a not yet. Have you ever prayed for something and felt like you received a no or a not yet? It's hard because you think you know what's best in this situation. And maybe what you wanted was a good thing. And this is where it's hard to trust. Trust that the Lord is at work. I don't have an answer for why you didn't get that thing, why that person wasn't healed, why that dream wasn't realized, why that relationship wasn't mended. I don't know. But what I do know 
is that God is always doing more than one thing. While I have had my fair share of earthly disappointments, and I know that there are more to come, I have confidence in my God and my King that there is a plan and a purpose for every hard thing, and that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. I will continue by faith to present my request to the Lord with thanksgiving. Will you be brave, little branch, to ask and continue to ask? This is pleasing and glorifying to the Lord. Growing in the Lord hinges on abiding in Jesus. Fruitful living stems from a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. Show. Showing fruit to an unbelieving world is resurrection power at work. John 15, 8 through 11. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So in your bulletin, there's a fill in. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to me to be my disciples. The fruit is the glory of the plant. The plant goes through different seasons, heat, harvest, leaves falling off, harsh conditions, skeletons of what used to be, new beginnings. We call in the winter trees that have lost all their leaves, we call those naked trees. But then springtime, new life, blossoms, flowers, buds, yes. These hydrangeas that I brought up here are an example of this. Now these hydrangeas in my garden are the biggest fake out plant because they get cut down so short and they look so dead, so dead. And I get so sad by that, like, oh, are they going to make it? I remember the, the first winter season, I thought, oh, man. Well, that was a waste of money because all those hydrangeas are dead. But you know what? When I got close and I looked and I tried to snap a branch, it wouldn't snap because it was alive. It was just in a season. It was in a winter barren season. But I just had to hang in there and wait because the yield was bigger than before. And it seems that each year, the hydrangeas just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and I just snipped these ones yesterday. God is at work in and through you. The fruit of your life is indicative of what's inside. I have this little seed. You can barely see it. You see that little tiny seed? What kind of fruit is this seed going to produce? What kind of tree is this? Do you know? Maybe you're a seed expert. Any seed experts out there? For me, if you just gave me a seed, the only way that I would know what kind of fruit it would yield is by watching it grow and seeing what kind of tree this is. So you want to know this is a lemon. This is a lemon seed. But that can be in our lives. God plants that seed of faith and nurtures it, and we watch it grow. The, the fruit is indicative of what we were created to be. 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 Spiritual fruit is an outward expression of an inward transformed heart. Knowing the Father, joined to his Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, God will be glorified in and through your life, through your fruit. Conviction to do the right thing, eyes to see God's hand at work, peace that doesn't make sense given the situation, fruitful living by God's power, not our own. Our fruit stems from the source. And what is the source? Resurrection power. Resurrection power is pulsing through the vine. Romans 8.11. This little correction from your bulletin. It should be 8.11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, there's that word dwell, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Resurrection power is your life source. That is in you. So some thoughts to ponder about your fruit and the purpose of it. Of course, it's for you, for you to enjoy, to enhance your life. But maybe your fruit is for other people as well. My neighbor... My first encounter with our neighbor when we first moved to our new house was about the apple tree that I was telling you about. The apples hung over their fence, and I was worried that, okay, this tree, now it's dropping. Was this going to be a problem? And our neighbor was like, can we, is it okay if we have some of your apples? We love those apples. Thank you so much. I thought, gosh, I thought it was going to be a problem. But no, that was a point of connection. The fruit was a point of connection to build a bridge Here's some fruit. Taste and see that God is good. Share your fruit. I have been blessed by OTC and people sharing the fruit of what God is doing in their life with me. My friend Paulina, just a couple weeks ago, was listening to a podcast and God was ministering to her and then brought me to mind. And Paulina shared with me what God was teaching her And that encouraged my life in such a deep way. That was a faith booster in my life because I was going through something hard and she had a word of encouragement that God had given to her and she blessed me with the fruit of her faith. Taste and see that God is good. Perhaps seeing your fruit or your harvest after a season of harsh winter or barrenness or discouragement is encouragement enough to the bystander, to the watching world? To an unbelieving world, watching a believer go through a life-stripping trial only to come out the other side bearing fruit is a living testament to God's power. You go through something hard and you still have joy? You're in the middle of a trial and you have peace that surpasses understanding that does not come from you, that comes from the Lord. That is an avenue for you to share the fruit of your life with a watching world. Fruitful living in the midst of a hostile, unbelieving world is resurrection power at work.
Now, Jesus is the, the supreme example of fruitful obedience. In John 15, 11 through 13, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now remember, Jesus is saying this to his closest friends, knowing full well what he's about to do. Perhaps the greatest yield of fruit came from a tree. A tree in the shape of a cross. A wooden cross upon which our Savior laid down his life for us. From that tree came the fruit of salvation. You see, that tree was dead. The culmination of mockery and life apart from God. But resurrection power had the last word. Out of death came life, the glorious fruit of salvation through Jesus Christ. John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the only way, the beautiful, glorious way. Are you connected to Jesus, the true vine? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you of dead branch areas in your life? I would be honored to pray with you and for you. During the last song, I'll be up in the gazebo if you would like to pray. Maybe you're feeling your heart beating fast and you would like to be connected to this vine. Or perhaps you are wanting to repent from some dead branch areas in your life. In closing, I have a verse for you. Jude 1, 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us, Father, to bear fruit. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, the true vine. Thank you, Father God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit helping us along in our faith journey. Lord, equip my brothers and sisters at OTC to live fruitful lives, glorifying to you. Bless us and grow us as a fruitful church, firmly rooted in your word, with a heart to love you, God, and love our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.